We are continuing on the chronological life of Jesus. We are now in uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Luke 7, verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in all the surrounding district. So, uh, what happens is Jesus visits this town, Nain. Nain is is a little south of Nazareth, and uh, it's up in the Galilee, and... and, uh, as he's going into this town, not a particularly large town, and you can even uh, see that town today if you wanted to, his disciples were, were with him, and uh, there was a large crowd, it says in verse 11. So he, they went along with him, and he was accompanied by a large crowd. So it wasn't just his 12 disciples. There was a large crowd accompanying him. Many disciples were with him at that time. And as he got near the gate of the city, and so you, would say, you, you can go and see the, the outlines of these cities today. I mean, there was, there was always a wall around the city. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't like the wall around the city of Jerusalem. <clears throat> uh, you, you know, these were much smaller walls, but there was always this wall around the city. And as he approaches uh, uh, this, the gate, there's a dead man being carried out as he's approaching the gate. And it says he's the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So the effect here was she being a widow and this being her only son, this was going to mean that she was going to be destitute because she had no husband and now she had no more son to take care of her. So she would, this was a, a, a big change in her life, and she was going to be a beggar the rest of her life. And there was a sizable crowd with her, that was in the city. And so they were coming out with her as part of this funeral service. And it says, Jesus saw her and he felt compassion for her. And he said to her, do not weep. I mean, look at what Jesus does. It says that he feels compassion for this woman who was weeping. And he says to her, do not weep. I mean, why did he even have to say this? If he was going to raise up the young man, he didn't even have to say, do not weep. I mean, so what if she were to weep for another ten seconds? What's the difference? Jesus feels compassion for her. When we are in pain, when we are hurting, and we feel that nobody understands, nobody knows my pain, nobody knows what I am going through, Jesus knows. Jesus feels compassion. Jesus knows. He knows. And and the, the ploy of the enemy is to make us think that we are the only ones going through this, that nobody else is going through what I'm going through, and that God doesn't care. And the demonstration of the gospel is 
that Jesus cares. When we are shedding tears, He cares. He cares. And He says to her, Do not weep. Then He came up and He touched the coffin. Now, if, if He had been a Levite, that would not have been allowed for Him. But, but uh, uh, he was not a Levite. He was of the tribe of Judah. He touched the coffin, and to say, well, the coffin bore a dead man, didn't bear the dead man for very long. I mean, there was, wasn't a dead man in there long after Jesus touched the coffin. The bearers came to the halt, and it says, he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So this young man means that the 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 man in the coffin could have been anywhere from 15 to about 21 in that, in that region. Young man, he says, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him back to his mother. It says that fear gripped them all. I mean, you'd be pretty scared too. I mean, it's amazing. You know, you go to a, a, a wake or something and, you know, you're looking in the coffin and the guy sits up and starts speaking. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a pretty frightening thing. This is exactly what happened. And fear gripped them. And then they began glorifying God, and they say, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. Now, Jesus was a great prophet, but he was more than a prophet, and it was a visitation of God among the people. And then it says, this report about him went about all over Judea and in all the surrounding district. So remember, this is up in the Galilee. You've got a couple of days' walk down to Judea. And all over Judea, this is spreading, that Jesus has raised a dead man. And this dead man was in his coffin and being carried out of the city. And and so the the man was probably not dead for more more than a day because they tried to bury people fairly quickly. Remember, Lazarus was an amazing example because he had been dead for three days. And that's because Jewish tradition had said that God may ra- that, that uh, a man may raise up, but not on after not on not upon the third day. And Jesus actually demonstrated that in Lazarus and demonstrated that in himself, and he was going to he's going to demonstrate that once again as it talks about in the book of Revelation with the two witnesses. That's the three witnesses of resurrection that Jesus is going to give to the Jews because they had asked for signs, and we'll get into that more later. But what you see here is you see he raises up this young man. And, you know, you, you don't see this very often in the physical. You know, if there are raisings of the dead and there are recording, recorded raisings of the dead among Christians, and, and particularly in other countries, there are recordings of this. But what you see quite often is you see the raising up of young people Spiritually, And this is no less vivid. I have seen this many times and I saw it in my own life. I was 18 years old and when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was all alone in my room and I asked Him to come into my life. All alone in my room. People had shared the gospel with me and uh, uh, I started attending a little Bible study. I didn't understand much, but I started attending and then one night I was all alone in my room and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and it was as if a man was standing in my room and I opened my eyes to see this man and I couldn't see anything. But I asked him to forgive me 
And it was as if there was this, this rush of forgiveness over me and this pleasure of His presence that I started weeping. I had never known anything like this before. So I was alone in my room. I had never known before this young man had shared with me that Jesus Christ had died for my sins. I had never known it before that. It was only a couple months later and I heard all this and I had met those, those who, who, who call themselves born-again Christians. And uh, God started to work very much in my life. This raising of the dead is very clear. He does this very often. Today, we see it today. And there is nothing like it. There is nothing like it. When God comes and He raises the dead man, there is nothing like this. You will see this. God will give you opportunities. You don't often see the physical raising of the dead as Jesus did here. But what you see is you see a spiritual raising of the dead, raising of young men, and they begin to speak. You see the hearts of people change. This is no less important and no less vivid. Only Jesus does this. You never see this tremendous change in a person's life. From that day, something changed in my life. From that day when forgiveness came into my life, from that day, I was 18 years old, things began to change. And I remember so much, so I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, didn't know what to say. And, and here's this Jewish kid from New York City. What was I going to say? And, and two weeks later, the guy that had shared Christ with me asked me if I had received Jesus in my heart. And I said, I think I have. Why do you ask? And he said, because you haven't stopped smiling for weeks. Something happened. Jesus raises the dead. This is something that you can do. You come alone in your room, and if you've not done this before, you say, Lord, forgive me and come into my life. And He will. And He visits people. This is an opportunity that we have to do exactly what Jesus did to this man. To share the love of Christ with people and to see their lives change. I have seen it many times. There is nothing that changes the life as Jesus coming into the life. When Jesus comes into a person's life, the life changes. They are different. He gave this young man back to his mother, and the people started glorifying God. So let's continue on. Luke chapter 7, verse 18, continuing on the chronological life of Jesus. Luke 7, verse 18. The disciples of John reported to him about all these things. Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? And at that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and he said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So, in in verse 18, it says, John, who was at this point in prison, remember we had, had read about his going to prison, the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. So, what were they reporting? They were reporting that they, had, they were obviously in that crowd that we had read of in verse 12, 
in, in verse 11, that crowd that was accompanying, and they had seen a, a dead man rise from the dead. They had seen all these works. They go back to John. They were disciples of John. In fact, several of Jesus' disciples, remember, were originally disciples of John and then started following Jesus, but John still had his disciples. John had an enormous impact. In fact, there are towns in Syria today which still speak highly of John the Baptist being their prophet. Uh, uh, but but uh, So they go and visit him in prison, and he, because he summoned them, in verse 19, he summoned two of his disciples, and he, uh, 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 summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? And when the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? He, they brought back exactly the message that John asked them to bring to Jesus, the question. They brought back exactly that question. Now, why would John do this? Why would John do this? Remember, John was the one that proclaimed in John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His purpose was to prepare the way for the Lord. He was the one who was pointing out who the Messiah would be. He pointed out who the Messiah would be. That was his mission. And when he pointed them out, many then started following Jesus. That was John's purpose, was to point out who, the, who, who Jesus would be. And in fact, if you went through the baptism of John, you were agreeing that when Jesus, when whoever John points out to be the Messiah, then you will follow that man. That is the Messiah. That was the agreement in John, in the baptism according to John. He baptized, pointing people to Jesus. And if we look in that same chapter, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 29, we'll pick up the other parts in a moment, but Luke seven twenty-nine. When all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. You see that those who had been baptized with the baptism of John were immediate. When they heard the proclamation, they immediately started following Jesus. There's a, there's a portion in the book of Acts where Paul finds some disciples that had been discipled by John. He says, to what were you that baptized? They said, in the baptism of John. They had, never, they had already left Judea. They had never seen John the Baptist point out Jesus. As soon as Paul spoke to them that this is who John was pointing to, immediately they received Jesus. The disciples of John immediately received Jesus when he pointed him out. But in verse 30 it says, But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. They had refused the baptism of John. Jesus comes on the scene. They refuse him too. John's disciples readily received this. So if John is the one who did this, if John is the one who pointed them out, why is John now sending his disciples to Jesus and saying, are you the expected one, or is there going to be someone else? What's happening to John is what happens to many believers. Here John is sitting in prison. John had expectations that when Jesus would be pointed out, boom, everybody would come, the nation would start to change, they'd be free from all sorts of bondages, and, and, and the new kingdom would be ushered in. That's exactly what would have happened had the nation of Israel received him. Had the nation of Israel received him, he would have freed them from the Roman Empire. Some people say it's because he didn't that they didn't receive him. Not, it was not that at all. 
Had they accepted him, he would have freed them from that. The new kingdom would have been ushered in. But the, the uh, leaders did not receive him. It was the common people that received him. It's, remember, it said in verse 29, And when the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged. So in other words, when the base people they heard this, they acknowledged this. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, this, these mean not lawyers in our context, but those who were religious lawyers, those who knew the religious law. When they heard this, they had rejected John, what's happening to him is what happens often to us. When God doesn't fulfill something in the way that we think that he would fulfill it, then we start to wonder, is this, is this really true? Is it, maybe this is all fictitious. Maybe this is just a construct of the human mind. The same sort of thing that goes through our mind is going through John's mind because he's sitting in prison wondering what's going on. I mean, he pointed Jesus out. Many people should have come. The nation should have received him. But it's not happening exactly as he thought. And so it says in verse 20 that they they came and they asked this. And then in verse 21 of John chapter 7, at that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. At that very moment. So here are these disciples. They ask him this question. Jesus doesn't answer them. He says, just have a seat. Just watch what's going to happen. Just have a seat here. So you've got these two disciples of John. They're sitting down. They ask this question. Jesus doesn't answer them. And then he says, watch this. Turns around to the crowd. And all these people are bringing the sick, the blind, the lame, the deaf. And... and Just, he's healing one after another after another. Now, I have heard of healings. I've seen healings occur. I've heard of healings in Africa and God moving. Never like this. Never like this. I mean, just one after another after another. Blind receiving sight. He's doing one after another in these huge crowds. Jesus did this all the time. Jesus, God come in the flesh. Jesus was demonstrating this. He heals all these people at that very time. Then he turns back to those two. And he says this, verse 22, And he answered and he said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. So what he does is he says, This is what you go and tell him. You tell him what you saw. Remember what the, what, what the Jews always taught, that there would be no Jew that would ever be healed of leprosy until Messiah comes. Jesus had demonstrated that before. Now he's just healing a bunch of lepers. Healing lots of lepers now. Doing that, he turns and then he says, now you go tell him what you saw. So, so Jesus doesn't have to openly say, yeah, I'm the guy. Go back and tell him. Because you know, then he's going to wonder. He demonstrated it. He just says, you go back and you tell them what you saw. And then he says, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Tell them what you saw, but also take this message. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. There will be things in your life that will hit you. 
And you will wonder, how can God even exist? Would God allow this to happen if there were a God? Jesus said, blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Let me give you an example. What if you should have a precious child? And you just love dearly. This child grows up a little bit and the child is four years old and gets molested by a 40-year-old neighbor. Where's God? Where's God protecting my child? I mean, these things are pretty painful. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. There are things that will hit you in life. What happens if you should find the one? The one that you will marry. The one that you will join your heart with. And two weeks before the wedding, that one is in a car accident because a drunk driver hit them and they are dead. The very same thoughts will go through your mind. Are you the expected one? Are you really God? Then what is this? I don't believe it. Not my life. I mean, everything's supposed to be good, right? Remember, blessed is he who does not take offense at me. That we yield to the hand of God. We pray for his protection. We pray for his blessing. We pray for his kindness. And all the things that I've just told you, I have seen this in people's lives. People who were dear to me. Where the children have been molested by neighbors were people that were to be married just a few weeks before the marriage. One of the party is killed. I mean, I have seen this in the lives of believers. Blessed is he who doesn't take offense at me. We have in our mind what our life should be like if we walk with God because there are so many promised blessings. One of the Psalms that I'm memorizing right now with my with my son, is Psalm 91. I mean, it's a beautiful psalm that just protection, protection, protection. Every verse in there is protection. That no evil will befall you. No plague will come near your tent. This is the general blessings of God upon His people. But that doesn't mean that individually we don't experience things that come upon us. The same things that hit the people of the world hit us. You know, people we love die. Our bodies wear out. Our bodies get, get viruses and infections and same things. God does heal. But sometimes His healing is to take the person and let them live forever in heaven. Blessed is he who doesn't take offense at me. This, this young man who was sharing in church how his, his daughter had passed away of an inoperable brain tumor. She was diagnosed when, when she was... Uh, uh, nine months old and she lived to be like three and a half. I mean, I used to go to the hospital and visit him and his daughter. And just, you, you know, you, you couldn't have had more faith. I mean, he was believing and believing and believing for this little girl. And uh, one, one guy came to me and he says, you know, I'm really concerned. He's just believing and believing and trusting. And, you know, what if she dies? And I looked at him and I said, don't worry about it. God is very good at taking care of His people. If He takes that little girl to heaven, He's going to take care of her father. He's going to take care of her mother. He has a way of bringing comfort. In a way that's inexplicable to me, God will bring the comfort. I'm not going to sweat about what this guy's going to go through if, the, if, his, if his daughter dies. 
He's in God's hands. God takes the daughter or lets the daughter live. And when God does that for His beloved, He gives grace. He gives grace. He was going to give John what he needed to endure in that prison cell. Because he knew John was never going to get out. He was going to be beheaded in that same prison cell. In that same jail cell, John was to be beheaded. But he would give God, give John grace. God's grace is there for you. His grace is sufficient for you. And in this I rest. I often will speak to the Lord how much I love my children. And, you know, I, it, there, there's this verse, it, it says of, uh, of uh, Jacob. Jacob said, don't take my son Benjamin to Egypt. Because if you do, and something happens to him, you don't realize how much of my heart is caught up in the life of this young child. And I know exactly what Jacob is talking about. Because I have a youngest son and I know how much of my heart is caught up in this young child. So that every day, you know, I, I take him and, and I just brought him because he's going on a beach retreat with, with uh, Second Baptist. And, and uh, you know, as I was committing him, I said, Lord, you know how my heart is caught up in the life of this child. Protect him, I pray. But I know if he doesn't come back, that you will see me through. That I know. As painful as that thought is, I know God will see me through. Blessed is He who does not take offense at me. Your life will not be ordered according to the prescription that you envision in your own mind. I can guarantee you that. You will experience many things that far exceed your expectations. Many great things. As the scriptures spoke about, things that you cannot even comprehend, God will do in your life if you follow Him. But then there are many other things, pains that will come upon you. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me, because I have seen this. I've seen people say, oh, if, if God were real, such and such never would have happened in my life. I'm thinking, How do you know that? How do you know that? I mean, we live in a pretty comfortable and secure world in, the, in our country. We really do, compared to the rest of the world. This is a sliver of time. This is a very brief window in human history where human life is valued like it is. And it is in only a few places in the world. You go to Syria and find out how much human life is valued to the leader of that country as he, he lobs bombs into women and children and just people in different environments. You go and you, you talk to, to the, the Koreans and you see some of the things that they went through during the Korean War. You see masses of people in your lifetimes in Bosnia and Herzegovina that were just mowed down. Men, women, children. They'd come into towns. Every boy 12 years old and, under, uh, and over, everyone, every male 12 years old and over were just taken. They disappeared, gone. And then they found mass graves. I mean, in your lifetime, this has happened. We live in a very secure place. This is unusual what we live in. This is not the norm for human history at all. Life is very different than what you and I experience in this comfortable little place where if we sprain our finger, the world has you know, got to stop. You know, because I hurt my little finger. 
Why, God, would you allow me to hurt my little finger? Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. This is what God comes at us with. There are pains that will hit you in life. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Lord, your grace in this time. I pray for your grace. And his grace will be sufficient. It is beyond my comprehension when I see some of the things and the pains that people have gone through. You know, I see home invasions where people come in and just the whole family is killed and one person is left alive to just you know, live with this for the rest of their life. How do they deal with this? All I know is God's grace is sufficient. I have nothing that I can give them in that time. Nothing other than to quote what Jesus said. He who lives and believes in me shall live even if he dies. And he who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is what Jesus asked Mary in, in, in John chapter 11. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? He who lives and believes in me shall live even if he dies. That they are alive in him. If they knew him, they are alive in him. This is the hope that I can give to believers. This is the hope that I can give to them. And then I commit them into God's hands because I can't carry it. I don't have enough tears to weep for all the people that I know, that I know, that are hurting. I don't have enough tears. But it's not my job to weep for all these people. I must commit them into the hands of the one who is able to give sufficient grace. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed is he who in the midst of the pains of life says, Lord, I will continue to walk with you. When all other disciples left him, it says in John chapter 6, he turned to the twelve. He says, do you want to leave too? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? For you have words of eternal life. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. When you get that revelation that Jesus is the Holy One of God, you will stand with Him. And blessed is He who does not take offense at me. This is what He said to the great prophet who was in prison. Take this message back. Tell Him what you've seen. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them the changes that you saw in people's lives. I saw, I have seen, and I continue to see the change in my life that he has wrought. And I see the change in other people's lives that he brings. Changes like no one else can bring when he comes into the life. And he says, take this word back to you. Blessed is he who does not take offense with me. At the way God works, may we not take offense, but humbly submit to His kind will and His knowledge, knowing that we shall live forever with Him. Let's pray. Father, Abba Father, I thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. Thank you that you raise the dead. That you turn to those who weep and you say, stop weeping. 
that your heart goes out in compassion when we are hurting. That you touched so many. And Lord, thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, I thank you that we live in a place where things are so well protected. Thank you that we get to live in this brief sliver of time of human history that we could live like this. Father, this is because of your mercies. And Lord, I pray for these young people that when the trials of life do hit them, that they would not take offense with Jesus, but they would willingly bow and ask you for your grace and your grace will abound. Your grace will abound. That I know. Father, may they learn to hold on to you and let them remember this, not to take offense at Jesus when their lives don't go according to their own prescriptions. But Lord, may they willingly bow to you and see your grace fulfilled. Your grace fulfilled in their lives. I commit them to you. I commit them to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.